Well, hello and welcome to episode number 422 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I am Carlos and in this week's show, we sing happy birthday to me. Thank you, guys. And in other news, we I hadn't read that before we started. And in other news, we have executives throwing bags, food festivals and virtual phone or plane spotting. What is a phone spotting? Oh, my word. In the military news this week, the US Air Force starts thinking about unloading some of the competitors for the light attack aircraft competition. And the Air Force of Mali receives some newer aircraft. So joining me this week in the PTUK Master Suite Studios, quite smells nice, is the one and only Matt Smith. Well, hello, everyone. Hello. How are we? How are we? It's a bit warm here, I'm not going to lie. I know we shouldn't complain. We should be... Oh, we shouldn't shouldn't complain, I know, but we can't help it. We are British at the end of the day. Yes, we are British. (laughs) How's the studio, Matt? Are we we hitting uh, 30 already? Not quite. We've got a very cool uh, 29.1 currently, so we're not far away. It's freezing in there, then. Quite toasty. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. And also joining us this week, uh, it's the legend that is our BA connoisseur, and uh, the seat 1A, well, the seater of 1A it is Neville Bounds. Yes. Hi, folks. And I've had two lots of 1A this week. Um, went to Stockholm on Monday morning, came back uh, on Wednesday. And it is uh, almost as hot in Stockholm as it is here. So it was 29 degrees, uh, which for Sweden is, is quite warm. But of course, being so much further north the sun is really intense as well so you've got to be careful there uh, put plenty of sunblock on but no it's great uh, great few days in sweden and then uh, went to norwich yesterday i've heard uh, of that place more of which <laughs> later on i'm sure oh sounds like fun yeah and uh, we haven't got armando with us this week unfortunately armando is uh, hoping to join us fingers crossed uh, uh, later on in the show all being well um, so we look forward to seeing Armando later on the show. And obviously we've got the uh, reveal for our competition. So we're announcing the winners this week of the competition for uh, the tags, which is going to be good. I've got them here uh, just behind me. So we're going to be uh, giving those out to our lucky winners later on the show. But we have got a very, very, very very super sub back on the show this week we've not had him on for ages we've not had him on for way too long it's been such a long while since we had him on it gives me great pleasure to welcome back onto the show captain al a very good morning good afternoon good evening wherever you happen to be but more importantly happy birthday to you (laughs) (laughs) thank you al how how the devil are you I am very well, thank you very much. It's uh, it's a balmy twenty one degrees here in my oh. hotel room. Goodness me! I say the view from your hotel room is stunning, Al. <laughs> it is, yes. Uh, uh, that is a virtual backdrop, just in case everyone is wondering. <laughs> uh, um, where I am is uh, is far removed from any airport views. Um, I elect to have a view for the car park, which is significantly quieter than the view of the runway. I know some aviation enthusiasts would pay extra for the runway view, but I am quite happy to go for the peace, tranquility and quietness during the course of the night. Don't blame you at all. Don't blame you at all. Well, at the end of the day, you're doing something quite important in the morning, aren't you, at the end of the day? You want to be fresh and ready to rock. Yes, I shall be up just after four of the morning tomorrow. Oh, dear. (laughs) 
Oh, blimey. Ooh, right, we'd better get a wriggle on. We don't want to keep him any longer than is necessary. Blimey. <laughs> How, how's the flying going, Al? Uh, it's going very well, thank you. Uh, like many airlines, my airline has had a fairly challenging summer period. Uh, but unlike some, we are still selling tickets. Um, we are uh, uh, <laughs> continuing to uh, take people um, where they want to go uh, more often than not at the moment. Uh, the early part of the summer was uh, was quite hard work. Um, I'm sure you've covered that on, on various episodes. Uh, but I'm pleased to say that aviation generally seems to be, well, should we just say mending then from a, a bit of a sort of uh, a, a blip uh, at the early part of the summer? Mm. I will say there's lots of uh, love in the chat room for you, Al. People are very pleased to see you back. Well, the fact that I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> the, f- the fact that you're back on the show, that there's uh, Tony S. Is, it's, Yay, Captain Al is back. I know. And that uh, Dirk S. is, oh, Captain, my Captain. Wee, <laughs> yeah, love. Uh, rest assured, I'll slip some innuendos in along oh, the way. In your oh, window, I don't yes. doubt, I don't doubt it. <laughs> so we have uh, some uh, some stuff to Tw- clear up. Twenty nine point three, by the way, in the studio, it's going the, up. Oh, yeah. blimey! <laughs> At uh, the top of the show, and uh, first off, uh, well, actually, it's funny you should mention the temperature because I, I was sat outside um, enjoying a non-alcoholic beverage earlier. Because there is a, a, a military segment in in the show notes here, so we, we don't need to involve Amando because obviously he can't be bothered to turn up on time. Um, <laughs> so um, I, I was I was sat outside and I've got my my phone, and the next thing I know, my wrist is vibrating, and my phone says that I need to shut down. I've overheated. Oh no! Um, it's like it's a watch for heaven's sake. But anyway, there we go. What can I say? So, yeah. So uh, uh, what is the, the, the temperature limit for the uh, PTUK studio system there, Matt? I mean, at what point do we have to go into situation critical and end the show? Just for the military. Is Just the for the military. Answer. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're to follow the rules and regulations, I think, I think is it 41.3 degrees or something silly is the cutoff number for, for like work, you know, uh, uh, unsuitable working conditions. I, I can almost like see that, Nev yeah. blowing heat through his microphone <laughs> now to try and... <laughs> yeah, let's see, see if we can bin off the military, yeah. Oh, dear. Great. Anyway, <laughs> so first off, we've got some stuff to, to talk about at the beginning or the top of the show, anyway. Um, Nev, we You're going to talk to us about something. All right, OK, there's some show notes. To, to we <laughs> had, there is, we had a little, uh, little meet-up last night, didn't oh, we, we, did, didn't we, did, yes. We did, and it was very pleasant indeed. And um, We had the pleasure, well, I had the pleasure of going over to, to Norwich because I was working there in the afternoon and then uh, went over to the... I rooftop. dated a girl from Norwich once. Did you? Is, there a, is, is that a start for a, li- a limerick? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Well, I mean, you can just, you know, put it together for yourself, really. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. the, the, the key word is that is once. <laughs> oh no you obviously disappointed her ah <laughs> <laughs> that would be one of these yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> she and many more nev oh, t- <laughs> oh my word <clears throat> yeah uh, 29.5 just putting that out there <laughs> just going up already just going up by point degree every time al anyway we had a lovely meetup <laughs> last night didn't okay, we yeah. nev <laughs> We did. And uh, great pleasure to have met Mazus Karim again uh, mm. after the 400th show. So uh, uh, we felt a little bit underdressed. Uh, we did. It turned out he was a very <laughs> smart young man there. Um, but he just comes straight from work. Um, hence the nice crisp shirt 
and Ty. But uh, absolute pleasure to see you again, Mazus. Thank you very much for making the track up there. And uh, it was some great views over the city, actually, wasn't it? Especially the cathedral yes. uh, behind uh, mm. as it starts to get dark. So, uh, no, it was great. Very nice, uh, very nice uh, evening and some good food to boot. I have yes. to say, because we, we, I mean, me, me and uh, Carlos, obviously, we, we live in Norwich and um when when Nev sort of came over and stuff because you 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 stayed near the train station didn't you yes. and there's basically the river that's either side of it and of course we're looking if you sort of look down to the right down towards Carrow Bridge and all that kind of thing and I just thought and it was just sort of starting to get dusk wasn't it so the sun was sort of quite low and things like that. and I thought do you know what I'd forgotten how beautiful Norwich actually is as a city because it's the place that we always go to do our stuff and I work in Norwich you sort of forget actually how how lovely it all was. Uh, I, no, I'm sorry, I disagree with you, Mazus. Uh, the pleasure was ours, absolutely. It was a real yeah. privilege to sort of spend the afternoon. With and actually, I, I have to say a big thanks to Mazus. Actually, he got um, he got me a very nice little present, an aviation themed present, which is obviously a, a great uh, idea for me. And uh, I had a, I had I did have some beer earlier actually, and I opened it with my new bottle opener that uh, Mazus got me. Oh, which is in the in the form in the form of a seven four seven, which is no. Also have you got it there? Indeed, yeah. Um, I haven't got it. It's down in the kitchen with right. the other beers. Okay. I'll have to, I'll have to grab it Please later. Please do. But, yes, um, I want to see it. I want to thank see it. Thank you for that, that. That's amazing. Yes, it's very nice. Very nice indeed. And he, he even went as far as to wrap it in aviation-themed paper. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. If we're honest, he was more well, excited sick about that. <laughs> <laughs> A sick bag. That's not a bad idea, actually, for future reference. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Thanks. Thanks, uh, Al. Oh, you're most welcome. There's no additional fee, obviously. King of good ideas. <laughs> now, Nev, it's uh, kind of close to-ish, the beginning of the month, and uh, we need to mention uh, some very important people, don't we? Yes, and sorry we didn't mention this last week, but we all got a bit carried away, but uh, this is where we mention the Patreon and PayPal donors to Plain Talking UK. So, once again, thank you very well, much. I hope you gave them a refund for not mentioning them last week, because that, that, that's, that's, that's <laughs> no, cool, that is. They're just slightly in credit, that's all. Well, there's, there's no refunds on this show, Al, as you well know. Just um, a voucher. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Travel voucher. Oh, well, that's very aviation themed. That is. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can't have a refund. It is a voucher. That's you it, can yeah. use it on a Thursday. Yeah, and it's, and it's a voucher purely for a current bun or something like that, rather than. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we've got to thank Logan Lynch, Alex Robinson, Dirk S, Sasha Beer, Stephen Ivy, Nick Codling. After he faster than that to catch up. Yeah, I know. Louis Cajares. <laughs> Alan White, Stephen Howland, Tanya Wyman, Jacob Tarleton Brown, Nicholas Hewitt, Masha Gertz, uh, Owen, uh, Reuben Wells, Neil Lamwarn, Graham Haley, Jonathan Warner, Eric Graves, Jordan Rose, Andrew Wilson, Captain Jeff, Adam Spink, Liz Piper, Jeff Ward, Jenny Parkinson, Evan Shue, Stuart Backer, Ray Williams, and Stephanie Plutmer. And the people that have donated by PayPal are Craig Eurozoko. Uh, uh, Richard Adams, Tony Stubbings, and the aforementioned Mazuz Kareem. So thank you, one and all. We could not do the show without you. Thank you very much. What a fantastic yes. list of people. And then there's Jonathan Warner in there as well. Well, you know. <laughs> oh, he'll, be he'll be wanting a refund because there's no military this week. <laughs> Who's going to tell him? <laughs> I'm surprised he's not messaged me already. He's probably no, true, working true, on yeah, a trap. Yeah, imminent, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, you thank yes. you. If you if uh, if you want uh, details on how you can donate and become a Patreon or PayPal 
donated to the show. Details will be at the end of the show. And uh, yes, Lee Davis is definitely right. Captain Al is on form tonight and it's going to be a fun night. So yeah, definitely, definitely. So we better move on with some commercial news. So uh, if all the team are ready. No, yep, absolutely yep. not. Just stall for another minute. That, that'll be Okay. <laughs> been nice weather today, hasn't it? Yeah. It has, yes. yes. That was all I needed. Fabulous. Thank you. Okay. Please turn on the seatbelt light. Please take your seats and fasten your And I should just say, Carlos, you're being told off by our producer here, who's supposed to have gone to bed and hasn't done, saying, uh, ju- "Okay, just because Jonathan Warner is working tonight doesn't mean you can keep poking fun at him." <laughs> I, that's not me poking any fun. <laughs> no, it, it's me. Um, it, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Fair well. Anyway, the first news story tonight on the show uh, comes to us from AIN Online and Reuters.com, and it's great news, fantastic news that I'm sure Captain Al will be very impressed with indeed and uh, news i'd say (laughs) (laughs) boeing have resumed 787 deliveries after a 14 month pause Uh, boeing ended a revenue sapping 14 month halt on the dreamliner deliveries on wednesday with the handover of a fresh 787-8 to american airlines Uh, boeing there's nothing worse than trying to find that last piece of lego is there you've gone through 14 bags and you just can't find it well, Boeing found that Lego piece <laughs> and delivered the aircraft to American Someone Airlines. Someone trodden it, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, uh, had dr- had, uh, I'm Boeing convinced had that that's one of the most painful experiences you can have on your li- in your life 100%. is treading on Lego. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, September 2020, Boeing found that mechanics clamped together certain components in the horizontal stabilizer with greater force than required by engineering specifications, resulting in possible improper gap verification or shimming as workers assembled the components. Uh, That's percussion engineering, isn't it? Mm. Yes. Boeing revealed in July last year... Big Hammer that it found small gaps between two sections of the bulkhead and reported the problem to the FAA. Then in October, Boeing found that a sub-supplier used faulty titanium in parts supplied by Leonardo. The delays are thought to have cost the U.S. manufacturer at least $5 billion. And uh, a timeline by Reuters of the 787 program since 2020, uh, John has very kindly put in on the show notes for us, this evening, when it's September 2020, when Boeing uh, finds production problems with the... Surely the Boeing thing starts more in the Neolithic period, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, going through to January... You're just humouring me now, aren't you? I know. (laughs) We've got an Airbus story at least later, hopefully. Uh, (laughs) Have you checked? (laughs) January, yes. January uh, this year, uh, unveiling a total of $4.5 billion in charges in the fourth quarter related to 787 delivery delays, uh, customer concessions and production. And uh, moving forward to just before uh, May this year, um, FAA finding certification documents incomplete. Uh, That was another piece of the jigsaw as well. And then, obviously, August this year, the U.S. government approves the first 787 delivery since 2021, clearing the way for American Airlines, as we said, to take possession of their aircraft. So great news for Boeing then. I expect uh, 
Al's hopefully going to pass some comments on there from uh, <laughs> his side. Well, I mean, let's talk about this for a degree of seriousness. If you were trying to buy one of these things, you'd be mightily peed off, wouldn't you? That a couple of gorillas have, you know, smacked it with a hammer and then go, oh, sorry about that. And, uh, yeah, well, there's, there's some gaps where there shouldn't be. Is, is this okay? I mean, if you were, you know, paying however much it is for one of these custom-built aircraft, you'd expect it more to be like your Aston Martin production line, really, wouldn't you? You'd think so, wouldn't you? You'd think there'd be... Um, you you think there'd be like what, what's the word I'm looking for like quality of build? If you see yeah. what I mean, given given you know what this yeah. uh, this vehicle is essentially going to be doing, you know, propelling itself through the air at a great height, you you would almost want to assume that there was a high level of build quality there, wouldn't you? With any airplane or aircraft or or you know, hmm. yeah, yeah. I was I mean, reading, I'm... just reading a comment actually. Captain Cruz has put in the chat room saying that. Um, considering there are still a hundred maxes at Moses Lake, their delivery rate is hopefully equal to that. Hmm, makes a good point. Yeah, pull finger out and all that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a more champagne. Anyone? Right, good, lovely. Uh, <laughs> shall we move on? While he's doing that, we'll go on to the next story then, and uh, it is uh, story oh, two is Ryanair as always it comes from the bbc.com uh, and the Guardian Ryanair Group Chief uh, Executive Michael O'Leary says that the era of the £10 ticket is over <gasps> O'Leary quoted significant increases in oil prices and rising inflation as reasons for Ryanair average fares increasing from around 40 to 50 euros over the next five years there's no doubt uh, that the lower that at the lower end of the market are really cheap promotional fares the euro one the one euro fares the 99 cents fares even the 999 euro fares uh, i think you will not see those fares for the next number of years mr o'neary told bbc radio 4's the today program the airline boss also hit out at the impact that brexit was having on airlines and airports across the country with passengers having grappled with travel chaos including long queues rafts of cancelled flights and misplaced luggage as a result of staff shortages o'leary said that the uk labor market was fundamentally broken and argued it was time for the uk to consider reversing some of the stupidity of brexit uh, now the quotes uh, from michael o'leary it's said in green here uh, do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the bbc the guardian or pt uk they might but not necessarily <laughs> Now, I mean, I mean, so I mean, there's lo- there's loads of points in that. There, uh, is is he on to something here? I mean, we're not the only country with these issues going on, right? Well, if, right. We're, talk- if we're talking about um, major airport hub delays and staff shortages and all that, Schiphol, kind of thing. Yeah. Frankfurt, Brussels, you know, uh, Dublin. Uh, how many do you want me to name? Because I've been in queues in all of them in, in the last uh, six weeks. And they're all in the European Union, aren't they? I think they are, Gal, yes. Yeah, I well, thought so. Well spotted that. Yeah. Um, so uh, so, um, yeah, so yeah. Brexit's causing them problems as well. Is that because British people can't go and work there? Probably not. <laughs> I don't think so. No. no okay. No. Uh, right. Uh, yes okay so um i mean and also go, going back to uh, what he's talking about here with the um the price fares i mean i think that's fair to say isn't it really i mean at the moment uh is i mean is is the fuel 
you know the fuel crisis at the moment already having any because i think the reason why i'm asking this question is because i know airlines in particular bank uh, or store you know large quantities of their yeah, some of the them gas like in advance mm-hmm. if you see what i mean so um i mean obviously that will eventually run out at some point but you know at this point i guess they are still protected almost from these high price rises i mean uh, is there an <laughs> argument that some of these people are profiteering already if you like putting the price up for when it does i don't know perhaps i'm being very very skeptical i don't know of any uk airlines that that, that are doing the fuel hedging well uh, you can only hedge to a certain extent yeah. can't you okay. i mean obviously the uh the cost of fuel uh and also it's not just the cost of fuel itself it's the uh currency situation against the dollar because the dollar is the currency that fuel is bought and sold in um, so there's many factors inf- involved with this and whilst you might be able to hedge it to a certain degree some of the parameters that we've seen uh, this year for example are, are way out of whack I, I would suggest and therefore um, you know uh, inevitably those costs uh, get passed on to, to the passengers mm. but I, mean- I think one of the big issues with regards to the, the cost of fuel for aviation is was there anybody who sat down a year or two ago who predicted a war in Ukraine, and that's had quite a significant mm-hmm. uh, effect on the on the cost of oil, um, and then the subsequent new sort of uh, issues with regards to, to Russia. So, fuel hedging, as Nev has already said, it's a phenomenally complicated uh, process. Does anybody remember that Eddie Murphy film, Trading Places? Uh, <laughs> Where they're you know talking about you know various harvests and you know you know buy low sell high that kind of thing. Um, well, it, having spent some time with some fuel hedges in the past, it, it really is a bit like that. Uh, I was never entirely certain whether these guys were living and breathing experts or a pair of second-hand car salespeople that <laughs> had been brought in from a Romford Sunday market to do their stuff. But um, mm. the the number of variables that go into the the cost of uh, a fuel the spot market price and uh then uh the, the the price that you can hedge at i mean all hedging is is just is agreeing a price in advance it's just like you know um you know taking a, a fixed rate on your gas or electricity uh the companies who provide that uh, take a bit of a, a an educated you guess as to where costs are going to be and they obviously aim to make money out of it and if you cap at a certain level and uh, the wholesale price goes up significantly then they take a hit but obviously if the wholesale price comes down significantly then they rub their hands with glee and it's as simple as that uh, lots of airlines did hedge quite a few didn't um, so those who hedged at a low rate are in a more competitive position than those who are currently paying the spot price or then decided to come to the hedging market late to protect themselves from further rises. Um, but the bottom line is that no one really knows what the cost of oil is going to be at any given point in the future. Um, otherwise, we'd have much more stability on the oil market. And of course, it's it's convenient for those large oil producing countries to be able to manipulate things to serve their own particular needs, whether it be financial or political. And that's always going to be the case, you know. You know, whoever's got the nuggets decides how many they're going to give away. If you haven't got any nuggets for yourself, you might go hungry. Hungry, excuse me. So that that's how it it unravels, really. So uh, airlines are just a very small part of that that big sort of global finance jigsaw. Mm. 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah. As I say, I I, I don't know. I I, I still think I th- I think once the dust has settled on, on all this, I think I think things will come back down. And I I'd like to. I mean, or they might not be nine ninety nine, but they might be sort of ten or eleven or twelve ninety nine. Do you know what I mean? I think they'll still be, you know, the 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 cheap fares purely because I don't think O'Leary can help himself. Actually, uh, I know. So we're talking <laughs> about fuel. That's yeah. a good point, actually, because I know the fuel prices here at the pumps in the UK have gone down slightly. I will say yeah. the word slightly. Uh, is that the same with um, with the fuel for the aircraft now, um, Al? Or do you not sort of get to see the price as such when you're... Um, it's not something I have any direct visibility of, um, uh, primarily because uh, a lot of the airlines will have a sort of global contract, so they will be um, uh, make arrangements with fairly large intermediaries. So one of the large uh, companies, a company called World Fuels, uh, they will basically then have the local supplier. So the guy who comes out in the tanker who puts the fuel in, uh, you know, he's not determining the price, if you like, and neither is his boss, because they're just a a retailer, if you like, but the people who supply them will have had a, done a deal with World Fuel. So it, it, it does get extremely complicated. Um, and it, it's akin to, um, you know, some of the buying power that, say, the, the supermarkets have uh, over and above a sort of local independent retailer. Now, what we're starting to see a bit in the UK is a bit of ebb and flow. Uh, that now the the local retailer might work on uh, be prepared to work on a slightly lower profit margin, but equally, um, you know the 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 guy who sat on a load of fuel that was bought cheap can sell that cheap. So this is where you see the big sort of fluctuations. Um, but for the sort of amounts of fuel that that we buy generally, um, it's with a very large intermediate companies um, who sit there, and, and that's who we actually pay rather than the individual airports. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, there's been a bit of debate in the uh, chat room about this as well, but um, we should be, we better move on because we've got loads to get through on the show. So, Nev, you've got the next story all about a certain thing that was all over social media yesterday, especially on Instagram. Yes, um, if uh, Al experienced some delays on his way home up the M6, this may have been the cause of it. Um, And it's on bbc.com and the coventrytelegraph.net. And it says that part of the last British Airways jumbo jet will become a tourist attraction after its new owner said he didn't want to see it crushed into cans. Uh, The top deck of the Boeing 747 has been moved from the Cotswolds to take up residence at Salford's City Airport. Uh, Doors to Manual founder Drew Hanna is behind the project and he he guested on our show on episode 410. Uh, He used his own money and some source from crowdfunding to pay for it to be moved from Kemble in the Cotswolds to Salford. It's a five-hour journey, so it's escorted by Gloucester Police on the M5, M6, M56 and M60 before it arrived at its final destination. It'll now have a new life at City Airport Barton in Greater Manchester as the Deck 747, which will be a tourist attraction which will act as an educational resource, a backdrop for weddings and conferences and a flight simulator. And the aircraft itself, uh, Golf Bravo uh, 
uh, Yankee Golf Alpha was delivered to British Airways in December 1998. Originally. Is that G Bugger? Uh, no, but uh, okay. it, it could have been. It could oh, I mean, that's what it looks like to me anyway, but there we go. <laughs> uh, if you're looking at the, the photos of it, it seems to be uh, uh, quite ironic that the, the fuselage is going backwards up the motorway. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'd be interested to see how much that piece cost. Oh, don't even Oh, no, go. no, 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 no. As I say, as I say you, 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 <laughs> still, you still haven't had got permission for your um, blooming blade that you want. Stage one blade. Yeah, absolutely. No chance of getting the, getting that past the wife. Yeah. <laughs> we live in hope, I tell you. Anyway, Al, you've got the next story, and I'm very interested to hear what your comments will be on this particular story. Okay, fantastic. Uh, this comes from, well, numerous publications, but seemingly... Uh, Airways Mag and Indian Express. And it is Indian airline Indigo announced a global first three-point disembarkation process, which will enable its passengers to exit the aircraft faster. The airline will use three YAMP, oh, goodness gracious me, speak properly, man, three ramps. Uh, they use ramps, not stairs, two at the forward of the aircraft and one at the rear to disembark its 320 and Airbus A321 aircraft. The new process is intended to reduce the disembarkation time from 13 minutes to seven minutes. This will be implemented initially at airports in Delhi, Mumbai, Bangalore, and on Indigo's A320 and 321 aircraft. Indigo says it plans to extend the scheme to all airports in the country, but it could take about three months, according to airline officials. The process will only be used for flights that park to remote stands away from the terminal building. So you may ask why they're doing this. Well, more exits equals less turnaround time, equals less time on the ground, equals more time in the air, equaling more revenue per aircraft per day. Uh, and that's absolutely true, because all the time an aeroplane is sat on the ground, it's costing money. Uh, whilst it's in the air, it's actually earning money. Um, now, I can't help but feel that we're probably not a million miles when certain parts of the world where we have a sort of similar system in reverse to uh, how it works in Japan with their sort of trains and underground where they have people who are employed to push you onto the train. I don't know if you've seen the videos of these people who just sort of ram you in there. So, so maybe in India at some point they'll have a team of people who will go on aircraft and just pushing people down these ramps. I mean, it sounds like quite good fun to me. The only problem with it being fun is that people will go round to the, the, the front and then join the queue to get back on to come round again, thereby increasing the turnaround time. Uh, well, yes, but I was just thinking how long it takes people to disembark an aircraft under uh, normal circumstances, in inverted commas. Um, and it's it's a slow process and by the time they've got their bags down from the overhead lockers and you know all that business it's um i mean i i'm all for speeding things up i i'm not really sure this is going to help matters but i stand to be corrected if it turns out to be a resounding success obviously but you're going to need more staff surely you've got to have staff obviously man in each of these well, surely, surely a woman's name. So, therefore, that, that's a man who's pushing the ramp. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. dear. Don't and call Matt, me Shirley. 
And Matt still hasn't seen that film yet. I'll just point that out. <laughs> yeah, they need them as uh, as evacuators in case of emergency to push people out and hit them over the head if they go grab their luggage. I think that's a very good idea, Mike. Well, give me some beans and put me in the aircraft and I'll soon have them evacuating good fairly point. quickly. Yep. Seconds. <laughs> what, the beans? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ding, Seconds ding. and he'll be gone. Yeah, absolutely. No, oh, my not word. Not in doubt, yeah. So, next story comes to us from Hackaday. Sounds like a mid-80s show on ITV. <laughs> anyway, it's uh, a bird. Did you see Timmy, Timmy, Timmy Mallet has cycled all around the UK? He did, did you see that? I did. Yes, Absolutely. we did, yeah. He, and, uh, and, well, and he terminated it here in Norfolk, didn't he? That was the end of the... Because uh, he lives around here, doesn't he? Well, did someone steal his bike or something? Probably. Probably. Yeah, he went yeah, to yeah. Yarmouth. So yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Anyway... <laughs> he did well, though. It was a, it was a great, it was a great little challenge. And he, he doing it for months. His his wife must have really enjoyed the piece. <laughs> anyway, yeah. there, there will anyway. be a whole group of people who have no idea what we're talking yeah. about at this moment. Well, time, just, right? just Google for our US uh, listeners and and uh, uh, you know out of the UK listeners. Just Google Timmy Mallet. What you mean? Well, I thought you were going to say just Google Wackaday, but in the okay. current climate, that could bring you up some rather up entertaining videos. Things, yeah, it? absolutely. What you mean? Where mallets, mallet is a word association game where you mustn't pause and you mustn't hesitate, hesitate. otherwise you get batch on the head like this, whack whack oops, or like this, whack whack oops, and the one with the most bruises loses. One with the least bruises, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like that. Honestly, it's like we almost watched that every day and not went to yeah. school. But anyway, oh, TVAM, hey, yes. oh, those were the days. <laughs> anyway. Hackaday.com is where this story comes from. The headline, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's a live air traffic plane spotting simulation. Okay, well, we've all got to have one. And uh, plane spotting has been a hobby of aviation enthusiasts for generations, hanging out by the airport, uh, watching aircraft come and go, maybe even listening to air traffic control on a scanner from your local radio shack or Tandy if you remember that. But how can those of us who don't live near a major controlled airport keep up on the action? Well, by using publicly available information, software, and some ingenuity, YouTube channel Information Zulu has created a live simulation of Los Angeles International Airport, or LAX. Uh, for you simulated plane spotting pleasure, the aircraft positional data is gained through an ADSB receiver piped through into the flight simulator software with a traffic injection add-on, and the simulator itself is used to properly place aircraft, set the weather, and even the correct aircraft types, liveries, and live air traffic control is even brought in through radio receivers to add to the realism. Wow. So there are two views, one for the South Complex of LAX, another for the North that run concurrently. Uh, software in use is the uh, Lockhead, or Lockheed Martin prepared 3D, uh, PSXT by Nico Khan, and also you can uh, use this through Microsoft Flight Simulator as well. Hardware in use. Matt, you'll know all about these, I'd imagine, the uh, <laughs> hardware. Raspberry Pi 4. Oh, love that. Yes, it's a good unit, that. S sounds good with custard. Uh, AirNav, ADSB data, RTL, SDR, radio receiver, USB dongle. Mm, sounds interesting. Uh, uh, ADSB filter and amplifier. Uh, plus loads of other stuff as well. You see, Matt will put the stuff in the show notes for this, but it looks good. The, the actual picture looks good, Matt. But I'm not sure what the point of it is, though. I mean, it's just, so look, uh, so this is actually live. This is genuinely a live stream. And in fact, if I if I press this button here, you can even hear like the ATC and all that kind of thing. So it's all being pumped through sort of like 
live. I guess it's fake engine noise and stuff. I mean, we're looking at... Uh, where are we? Um, I'm trying to, I mean, the data there is amazing, where it says, like, next arriving heavy and stuff like that, all, all little things like that. So this is south arrivals, but you can also have south... Uh, you can also have north departures and arrivals as well. Uh, this is... Uh, I, mean, it's, I mean, the graphics and stuff are amazing, aren't they? Because it does look like... Um, you know, you've even got the, the detail of the shadow even as it's coming into land and it's getting shorter. The buildings look a shorter bit... Um... and uh, like a photograph and not animated in any way. Mm. Yeah, look like they've been stuck on a photo. But, uh, yeah, I mean... It's, it's I good know. fun. I mean, I, I, many people enjoy listening to ATC, don't they? So I suppose if you want a visualisation of that, of the of those comms, I think this is brilliant. Uh, especially if you, you know, if you're in an area, you know, I feel like this would be exclusive to Los Angeles. I don't know. Perhaps I'm, I'm wrong. Well, I mean, I don't know what anybody else thinks. I've not flown into there before, so I can't say. But Nev, uh, all I remember about LAX is delays and distance <laughs> between terminals and attitude of some uh, immigration people. Um, but yeah, um, not one of my favourites, I have to say. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's as uh, uh, Captain Cruz points out, it's one of those things that they uh, they simply did because they could. No, no actual use, really. True. But I suppose True. it, it visualises the ATC side of it. Tony S makes a good point <laughs> in the chat room. Actually, actually, Captain Cruz is saying one of those things they simply didn't or they did because they can no actual real use true true, true. Uh, tony s is saying i'd rather go to an airfield and uh, watch real planes yeah which, yeah 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 i suppose that's because you, you've got your little scanners and stuff haven't you you lot you so you can listen to the the yeah. chatter if you want because i assume it's still not encrypted or anything is it the... no live you can go on live atc.net on your phone or on your they've got a uh, app and also on the website and listen to um live atc from pretty much every country around the world apart from the uk so if you want to listen to stuff here in the uk you will need a um a scanner to mm. listen to it. so indeed yeah. Okay, we'll move on to the next story then, and we're off to the land of Qantas for this one. And Qantas, Can I, mate? Yeah, okay, thank you. Uh, Qantas asks management to work as baggage handlers. Uh, so it's one mile at a time dot com and fortune dot com are our sources for this particular story. Qantas Airways, Australia's largest domestic and international airline, is seeking at least one hundred executive volunteers from senior staff and management over the next three months to help address baggage handling delays on the ground. Roles include loading and unloading aircraft, sorting and scanning bags, and driving the tug vehicles used to ferry luggage around the airfield. Qantas will provide full training to all volunteers in the programme who will be asked to help at either the Sydney or Melbourne airports. Uh, They work at airports for a three-month period uh, starting in mid-August, either three or five days a week with shifts of four or six hours. The note emphasised that there is no expectation that volunteers will take on extra duties on top of their normal roles and that those who sign up will be able to rework their schedules and comment uh, and commitments with managers for the duration of their commitment um now forgive my naivety here but is is 
is this going to help in any way? I mean, I know they're going to give them training, but I, I guess there's a chance that quite a lot of managers and stuff may not necessarily actually work airside and therefore have the appropriate permissions to be that side, in which case that's going to add, you know, already significant pressure, if you like, to a system that's trying to get everybody through as quickly as possible. Um, or is it, if you are a manager or, or, or senior staff, that the airside is a given? I don't know. Does anybody... I, I anybody suppose we have to ask, ask the question whether, whether Captain Alice had to load his own aircraft <laughs> yet. Um, no. No, no. Uh, Captain Al's back would not appreciate loading baggage. No. That's not to say that I wouldn't be prepared to do so. Um, I've not had need to do so. Um, and there reaches a point where it can become counterproductive. I know that uh, some of my colleagues in other airlines have done this, and uh, yeah, well done. Uh, I would say with a degree of caution, though, because if you manage to, you know, injure yourself whilst doing this yes you've got all the bags on the aeroplane but now the aeroplane's not going anywhere because you're broken so um it's one of those 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 difficult situations i'm afraid there's no there can be a situation where everyone's a winner or everyone's a loser shall we say (laughs) tony s in the chat room makes makes a very good point uh they could uh, try a job swap and get the baggage handlers to run the company <laughs> okay i mean that's that's an option certainly yeah we could give that a go uh, <laughs> now a, a little bit of extra information on this from from john the airline laid off over 1600 Qantas ground handlers during the pandemic replacing them with contract workers in order to save costs in the long run Qantas seem to have unintentionally said to the world that they have 100 too many managers in their offices <laughs> which is always a possibility i suppose uh introducing inexperiences uh, introducing inexperienced office workers into specialist aviation jobs is uh, in john's humble opinion going to increase uh, serious workplace injuries and it might actually be counterproductive to the airport chaos i don't know how do we, how do we feel feel about that one does that sound uh, uh, what do you think on that one al is that likely oh it, it's well, where do you go with that <laughs> yeah um I, I, I really don't know is, is the uh, yeah. is the truthful situation. I think uh, airlines across the world have applied different strategies over the last few years. Um, and uh, when it comes to headcounts, who's to know? I think, uh, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And also people who had a crystal ball came out of this very good but those who had no crystal ball or indeed the batteries had run out of their crystal ball didn't come out that so well so true yeah I, th- I think we'll just look back on it as uh something best forgotten just roll our eyes and go cool what a mess <laughs> yeah yeah uh interestingly enough uh, the tra- the transport workers union agrees with john uh however uh Qantas says that the execs will undergo the same level of training as any new recruit uh so why don't they just get new recruit recruits I mean, if they're going to retrain these people, they must be people who want jobs. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I can see how it uh, might be perceived as being good morale boosting to have the manager of XYZ department down there, you know, shifting bags. But only if he or she pulls their weight, um, you know, if, if they're 
end up being there and just getting in the way, uh, then I think that's probably counterproductive. Indeed. And uh, also, I mean, there's another thing. I mean, presumably these managers, I don't know, I mean, I suppose you could argue you're already paying them, so it's not technically costing them anymore. But surely this is a very expensive solution. <laughs> You know, because I suspect these managers, and especially when we're talking senior staff and stuff, are probably on a little bit more than the baggage handlers. Oh, well, absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I actually can't help but feel that it's a little bit of a sort of a PR stunt, this. Yeah. It's, uh, Although yeah, I, uh, I, you'll remember, Al, in the broadcast days uh, of uh, UK television when uh, the breakfast independent company, TVAM, mm -hmm. uh, was involved with strike action with the, um, what was it, the ACTT, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And managers took over the running of cameras, VT, graphics, Auto cue, seamless, wasn't it? Seamless. And a quick look on <laughs> YouTube will show you the car crashes. Award-winning television. That's right. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Do you know? I, I do. Do you know? I actually remember that, wasn't it? I do. I do remember it was. Uh, it was quite a time, wasn't it? And it wasn't just ITV, was it? I mean, it affected um, like most channels, didn't it? Where mm. it was anyway. We're slightly off topic there. Sorry. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if this is the right solution. I think that's where I'm sort of going with this. As you say, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna invest all that money in training, surely you can find people who will cost you less in the long run. Uh, but uh, there we go. And what happened to all these agency workers that they were originally going to replace them with? What happened there? <laughs> Mm. Oh, well, never mind. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> moving on to the next story. Nev, you've got this one, and uh, it's a Guinness World Record story. Yeah, interesting, this one. Uh, but going back to Qantas again, uh, this was on simpleflying.com and, and uh, airwaysmag.com. Uh, it says, after breaking the record for the most number of uh, countries visited in 24 hours by public transport, frequent flyer Umit Sabanchi uh, has once again entered the record. I thought you were going to say frequent farter then. It nearly <laughs> no, I, I just... Uh, <laughs> Just, just came up short. There, yeah. But you that. see, if he has been a frequent flyer, he will be a frequent farter because it just comes with the territory of pressurisation, doesn't it? <laughs> you can try to hold it in, but those of us, Nev, who are regular <laughs> travellers, you know it's just best to let it go, isn't it? And just, you know, hope that it is just a, a, a dry one. <laughs> yeah, and with all that rich food, you know. Things can happen, can't they? Let's be honest. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, an event. Um, th th <laughs> this fellow started his uh, world tour in Los Angeles on August the 9th and landed back in LAX uh, at seven, uh, sorry, eight minutes past five on August the 11th. So a journey which he completed in 46 hours and 23 minutes. His first leg was from uh, LAX to Doha, flying on Qatar flight. QR740. Second leg was from Doha to, um, uh, oh, what's the, um, Brisbane? Yes, that's the what's BNE, isn't it? Uh, again with Qatar on QR898. And the third and final leg was from Brisbane to LAX on Qantas QF15. Quant uh, Qatar kindly upgraded Mr. Sabanji for the duration of his flight with them. Uh, the record attempt was done in aid of Guy's Cancer Charity. Guy's and Tom St. Thomas's Hospital is a world leader in cancer treatment. Uh, details of the uh, Just Giving link for this will be in the show notes as well. That's uh, that's quite a quite a distance, isn't it? Um, and over uh, 36,000 kilometres. Um, 
That's What's that in real money? Uh, well, that sounds like about 25,000 nautical miles, isn't it? Something yeah. Like that. So, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and the uh, the deal was that they reviewed it and that they said that the title, uh, or to Guinness, after they'd reviewed it, said that they, they the title would be awarded if the attempt was completed in un- under 50 hours and that there was no previous record holder. So he did it. So he did it, yeah, with uh, 46 hours, 23 minutes and 11 seconds. Look, there I go. can't even begin to imagine the jet lag. But, of right. course, <laughs> once you get to the point of you've done so many, it's kind of it's kind of just cancels each other out, I think. Well, yeah. I was just about to say that. Now, what's the sort of longest sort of series of flights that you've done consecutively? Oh, only, well, uh, it was Heathrow to Melbourne. Um, sorry, Melbourne Heathrow with a one and a half hour stopover in Singapore. Uh, okay, all right. Because I, I, I mean, at, at the risk of sort of uh, you know doing the I've got the T-shirt better trick than you, um, <laughs> I, I had course to do uh, some years ago for a holiday. Uh, bear with me on this because I've got to reconstruct it. Uh, Manchester to London, London to Los Angeles. Los Angeles to Auckland, Auckland to Christchurch, Christchurch to Queenstown, um, which was quite an epic journey. And by the time we arrived in Queenstown, we actually had no jet lag. We're just kind of, you know, you know, like when you're, you're out for a heavy night on the lash and you just push on through <laughs> and you go through that period where you, you're just not drunk anymore. You've kind of just gone through it and you're still alive. This is not a recommendation, children, okay? This is not, you know, but it can be done. Uh, well, it was just like that. So uh, we actually didn't have um, any jet lag. We slept well that night. I, I but, can imagine, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, an opportunity for a, a, a deep vein thrombosis as well, possibly. Yes, yes it's always a risk. <laughs> well, you, yeah, actually, I mean, on the on the flight from uh, Los Angeles to Auckland, uh there was a uh, a guy in in the window seat, and uh, yeah, I said to him, "Look, you know, at, at any point, you know, if we're asleep on the flight, and you you know, you need to get up to go to the lavatory." And he said, "No, no, I do this quite often." He says, "You know, I don't need to go to the lavatory." It was like a you know ten or eleven hour flight. I forget exactly how long. He never he never got up. What? <laughs> he didn't move. I, well, I can't get my head around that. I really can't. <laughs> Oh, well, OK. Well, I mean, congratulations, I think, to to him, you know, fastest circumnavas. So if you want to have a look at the Instagram account, by the way, it is uh, it is uh, fastest underscore circumnavigation, all as one word. So at but the fastest, are in the show, um, the yeah, show. I'll make sure it's in the show notes and it's. Yeah, just just make sure if you're Googling that you don't put fastest no. circumcision. Yeah, that will be that would be a totally different site. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's uh, yeah, it's. Uh, justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash uh, um, Umit Sabanchi was it? Yeah, so yes. U-M-I-T Said like a pro. Thank you for that Yes, U-M-I-T S-A-B-A-N-C-I I'm just describing it for our audio audio listeners as I say justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash you. But if you're listening in the car, don't start typing now, no, please. No, absolutely. Here, I'm going to try it with a phonetic yeah, alphabet. Are you ready? Uh, oh, Union gold. Mike Indigo Union? Is it not? Oh, oh, what is it then? 
Oh, we've gone back to that 1980s programme, Chips, haven't we, on TV? <laughs> OK, yeah. Oh, Unicorn. No, what is it? What oh, that, is was my, that was my favourite TV show growing up, by the way. <laughs> oh, chips. The, wow. they, they... Chips was my favourite TV show. What was Chips? I feel like I need to know what that was. Uh, You've never seen Chips? No, why would I have seen Chips? I don't understand. Oh, my... Jeez, right. yeah, we need to... Pontarello and John Baker, Seven Mary, Three and Four... Responding to a ten twenty nine. Oh, Matt, you I'm... really did like it, Amanda, didn't you? You were there. I mean... <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, until that until that mustache left my face last week, uh, I looked like Pontarello <laughs> from nineteen seventy eight. I'm getting a feel that you've got the leather chaps as well, haven't oh, you? You, you? You've got the the, the leather gear. It's got. It's got. Well, got... Uh, Al, because you are in the circle of trust and nobody is watching this. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Strictly for motorcycle riding, though. Right. Okay, very good. <laughs> ah, oh my on. word! <laughs> um, well, uh, hello, Armando. Nice to uh, nice to see you on the show. Good to see you. Where, whereabouts are you, Armando, this evening? Hi, guys. I would apologise for the noise, but I don't it looks think like he's in a penitentiary. Judging by the uh, the fence there, <laughs> have, have they caught up with this you finally? There's a very secure waist high fence here at uh, uh, Bracket Field. Historic bracket field just outside of Ontario, California. There's a diamond, TA40, uh, I think, taxing by me. So I don't know if you can hear it or not. Should be in the picture there. So, but um, if it's in California, yeah, it's probably so, electric, isn't it? So it won't make any noise. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got a 17 blade prop for noise pollution. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There'll, there'll be a sticker on the side of the aircraft saying, This may cause you cancer. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and just, just for looking at it, they're going to tax you on it. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, we've been in a, Megan and I have been in, in LA for a couple of days now. We did all the LA things and uh, we're staying up in uh, Burbank. And then today we're heading up to one country over in Temecula for a couple of uh, days of uh, relaxing there. I say some actual time off Excellent. on my list. This is a bit exciting. Wow. Did you meet Mr. Sab- Sabici, who's just come back from Brisbane? <laughs> <laughs> now that's uh, that's sandwich. Al Alma, what's what's be <laughs> Broadway? Yeah, Sabici. No, I didn't have the pleasure of meeting Mister Sabanich Sabanchi Sabanchi Sabanchi. See, see, he's probably not Italian at all, is he? <laughs> well, we can we can make it up, and I'm yeah, sure yeah. we're we're all going to speak with our best uh, Italian accents when we say. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure his lawyer will probably tell us exactly how to uh, pronounce his name when they get in touch. <laughs> And that's why we're going to move on to the next story, Al, because it's a food story, especially for you, Al, chosen by John, especially for awesome. you. Awesome. Fantastic. So this is about Vistara launching uh, an in-flight food festival to celebrate their second long-haul anniversary. Vistara has announced... Oh, by the way, this comes from, uh, well, let's just say simply... Oh, Simple Fly and Travel Radar, Aero and Curry Tales and Twitter. And probably Instagram too. Never let the Instagram people go second best. That's my opinion. Vistara <laughs> uh, has announced a special food festival to take place on board all long haul flights to celebrate the carrier's two year anniversary of long haul operations. The meals will be available on all flights from Indira Gandhi International Airport to Paris, London, and Frankfurt from the 5th until the 31st of August. The special Awadi. Cuisine 
comprises of famous Awadi dishes like Safrani Paolo, which is a rice dish with flavored spices, Dumka Paneer, which is uh, a curry of spiced cottage cheese. And it's not the sort of cottage cheese that uh, we're familiar with in the UK. Paneer is very, very nice. Uh, Merg Handy Koma, which is a chicken curry. Alu Bakara Kofta, potato curry. Akari Merg Haruchan, which is a pickled chicken curry and it comes with a kashmiri roti which is indian bread now i know that our good friend micah will be salivating at (laughs) some of these dishes (laughs) passengers will also be yeah offer a selection of desserts like sahi tukda which is made with bread slices soaked in rose sugar syrup now i've actually had that i've obviously had some of the other dishes as well but it's absolutely delicious that is as is Maktar coffee, which is, uh, well, it's a bit basically like, a bit like an ice cream in a, in a clay pot. Vistara is calling the special food festival Dawat Awada, which loosely translates to, in English, as a feast of Awadi cuisine. Wow, that sounds fantastic, doesn't it? So a little bit of background about Vistara then, just in case you've not heard of them. Vistara started its long-haul operations with direct connectivity between Delhi and London Heathrow in August 2020. Probably not the best time to start a service, but nonetheless, two years later, they're still around, and the carrier now offers direct connectivity uh, to and from several international destinations, including Bangkok, Dakar, Dubai, Frankfurt, Jeddah, Kathmandu, London, Heathrow, Paris, and Singapore. Yeah. Mr. Deepak Rajwat, Chief Commercial Officer of Astara, said at Vastara, we're on a constant quest to find ways to delight our customers and completing two years of long-haul operations uh, gives us perfect reason to celebrate with them. We often uh, receive very positive feedback on Indian regional favorite meals from our customers on flights to and from the UK and Europe, regardless of their demographics. The menu is designed to create a memorable gastronomic experience for our customers on board India's finest full-service carrier. Now, this has got me thinking. So if British Airways was to feature cuisine from a particular part of the United Kingdom, where should it choose and what meals should it supply? <laughs> Over to the panel. I think uh, Indian food from Bradford, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I, I think that's where the Vindaloo was actually invented, wasn't it? <laughs> Probably. That's kind of what I was thinking too, was the best Indian food I've ever had in the world is over in England. So that, that would be my vote. I'm trying to think. It's what... interesting, actually, because... Uh, England's much maligned for its cuisine, but I fly with a lot of uh, people from sort of all over the world, really. And they go, well, we don't really know where this comes from because you've got such a fantastic range of cuisine all sort of from all various parts mm. of the world. And I said, yeah, well, I mean, we invaded most of them, so that's why we've got them. But, um, but nonetheless, um, if you think about it, we, we have quite a, a huge range of, uh, of cuisines that are just sort of endemic to, to the UK. But... I mean, has anyone ever had a good fish and chips on board a flight? No. Interesting. No, never. No. Yeah. No. Oh, well, I lamb, have had fish think, and chips, and it was I awful. I think lamb is the best thing that you guys do. That, I, oh, when I lived in England, I, 
I could have eaten lamb every night of the week at, at a number of different pubs in my town. I, I've never had lamb as good as I have. So, and I've never had that enough lamb. Which is, which, is, which is a surprise almost, because you think actually um, New Zealand are more infamous for the lamb, certainly for supplying lamb. Perhaps they're not so well known for doing it. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, Neil Lamorne is suggesting Yorkshire pudding and gravy. That might be a good sort of... Uh, do you know, what's, what's the one that they do where you... Because there's a special name for it, isn't it? Where you su- serve like the potatoes, the peas, the meat and the gravy all in a big, large Yorkshire pudding. What do they... That would be a very uh, British thing, wouldn't it? Um... Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But you, I know what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. It, yeah. It's not yeah. a hot pot, is it? But it's something no. like that. Are you thinking? No, no, because no, that's just sauce. no. There's there's one we, we do it here sometimes where you make a giant. So when I do it at home, you make a giant Yorkshire pudding, uh, and you literally so it's like the gravy, the meat, uh, and like yeah. the peas and everything all together, like but served in a giant Yorkshire pudding. Hmm. The um, chat room is bound to um, to, to let probably like probably there we go. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's your own. Your own creation. I can't say that I've ever come across that particular concoction before, Matt. Have you not? No. Oh, well, perhaps. It, perhaps Have you seen some... it in any 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 restaurant? Yeah, yeah well, you, that's you, what... can, you can buy it in a ready meal from Morrison's. Oh, well, no, oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, heathen, honestly. Uh, it's, I mean, a couple of pubs around here have done. I don't, I don't. I don't know it as specifically a Norfolk thing, but I've had it in a couple of pubs around here. I like the the Gillingham Swan, Ooh, which is up the road God. here. What? There's people chatting in the chat room about deep fried Mars bars. Oh yeah! Oh, beautiful, beautiful, oh, absolutely probably stunning. The, probably yeah. one of the finest things that I've had uh, is actually a deep fried doner kebab, a battered doner kebab. What? It, it, <laughs> The whole oh, kebab, God. salad, pitta, the whole lot, battered, chucked in the fryer. Wow. Wow. I, I don't... Now, another thing that came up in the chat room is shepherd's pie, which I think would be great on an airplane, except I can only imagine what could go wrong. <laughs> like, the inside is completely frozen and the outside is is 1,000 degrees, the face of the sun hot. <laughs> So, so you, you've actually tried the crew catering on my previous airline because that's exactly what happened with the shepherd's pie that we used to have. <laughs> so John, who should have gone to bed by now, is saying that Aer Lingus did a crisp potato sandwich for a while. What on earth is a crisp potato sandwich? Well, potato is the name of the manufacturer. So crisp sandwich, you can call them potato chips if you oh, like. So right. take your crisps, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. slap it between two slices of ideally sliced bread, a bit of butter, Bob's your auntie. There you go, a what? meal in one. I, what? I mean, that's not. That's, I, you know, I've never, I've never heard of that before. What a crisp sandwich! <laughs> I mean, any any particular preference of flavour or? Oh, Jeez, it's got to be prawn cocktail. Prawn cocktail. Oh, <laughs> oh prawn okay. cocktail. Oh no. Okay. Uh, and, and if you really would go for it, right? Prawn cocktail with either raspberry or strawberry jam replacing the butter. You can keep the butter if you want, but you go for the bread, the the, the jam, and then the prawn cocktail crisps. Slap it in. Give it a good squish. <laughs> um, oh, I've just done a sick on my mind. I feel like I'm channeling one. my inner Gordon Ramsay right now. And yeah. or, or the my, other one. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, Gordon's got a lot to learn from me, I'll tell you. Right. But um, the other one that I've introduced quite a number of people to, maybe six or seven, is a penguin sandwich. Oh, no, I can see that. 
Because I quite like, you know, like I'll have a Nutella sandwich or something. I can see that with a chocolate biscuit, chocolate biscuit and stuff. I mean, I'm on, never, I'm on the... never sitting there thinking. <laughs> no. no, not I, feeling I'm the love. I'm thinking that I should have eaten more for my dinner tonight. Right. Okay. <laughs> I wonder, have you any? Have you heard of any of these things? <laughs> no, this is the hard no on all of these things. Okay, right. I mean, Pen- the... penguin sandwich seems like it's outlawed by by PETA. Or Greenpeace. Like, I feel like we shouldn't talk about that. No, it's not actual penguin. You know what a chocolate biscuit penguin is, don't you? I don't don't know what a penguin is. (laughs) And don't tell him about the hedgehog crisps Oh, no. Crisis. I I was going to say, Armando, um, what about a hobnob? Are you familiar with a hobnob? Nope. Is that like a Tim Tam? Oh, nothing's like a Tim Tam. To be fair, they're they're quite a unique species. I, I flew with this Australian captain who introduced me to Tim Tam Slams. What? God. I, which, is, which is great. It's like Tim Tams in milk, and like it's great. Oh, wow. No he word. would carry a packet of Tim Tams every time that we flew together, just for me. Oh. <laughs> Masha says I've seen plenty of crisp sandwiches in the UK. Uh, am I the only one that's not come across a crisp sandwich here in the UK? Clearly. I'll make you one next time I come up. We'll right. get a packet of Walker's, you know, prong cocktail, a bit of jam. Right, okay. A uh, couple of slices of ready sliced. There we go. <laughs> Thank you very much. Right, okay. Um, well, this conversation has taken an unexpected turn. Um, we should it's probably... It's a food I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's somewhere... It's somewhat far removed from Erg Handy Korma and uh, Kashmiri Roti, isn't it? Little tiny bit. Little tiny bit. Shall we move on to the next story, Carlos? Please dig us out of this hole. Yes. <laughs> well, just, 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 just before you go, oh, unfortunately, oh. due to circumstances outside of my control... I do have to leave you, gentlemen, oh. to discuss. Oh. <laughs> well, th- no, that's, that's absolutely fine, Al. Thank you so much for yeah, joining us. Yeah, have some of this, Al. When you help this. You. But no, he's not allowed. He's got a busy job to do in the morning. Stop it. Behave. Uh, <laughs> trying to offer him so it has been my intention to stay with you for the entire duration. I do uh, profusely apologise, uh, but I do not need to love you and leave you. Uh, it's been great whilst it lasted. Um, and I wish you uh, good luck uh, with the, uh, the the next show uh, that won't have me disturbing it every two minutes. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> it will be a poor it will be the poorer show for it. Al, thank you very much. Oh, for it's your been time. lovely it's been having you back, have you back. Absolutely, it's been a yeah. real pleasure. It's been I know I know what's All going right. on here. We're we're nearing. We're nearing the military segment, and Al's like, oh, look at the time. I've got to go. go. I've got to go. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was to do with the co- your two contracts, and you can't appear on the same show together. Uh- oh, Al and I don't have that contract. I'd be on the show with Al any day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there There's a shock. Uh, well, have, a, have, a lo- have a lovely weekend, Al. Absolutely. Thank you very much. My sincerest apologies, but Not I will uh, catch Not up with you again soon. Yeah. All the best to you all, and... Uh, Thank you for um, all the nice feedback in, in the chat room for, for everybody who's listening there. Um, and, uh, well, well, good luck and uh, uh, well wishes to, to everybody. Uh, take care now, Captain L out. Take Bye, care, Al. Al. Thanks a lot. Thanks a Bye. lot. Bye. Okay, then, uh, Carlos, on to the next story then, please. Yes, and we're off to talk about story. Embraer for a change. I know, I know. Well, it's been lovely having Al on. Yes. Uh, it's uh, from the robreport.com, and Embraer's new, more f- efficient turboprop airplanes could hit the skies. I don't know why they'd hit the skies for next year. Embraer has been hyping its next generation turboprop 
or TPNG. Sounds like something out of Star Trek. Uh, for quite some time, and now the aircraft finally appears to be taking shape. The Brazilian aerospace manufacturer shared a new teaser video, which Matt's playing on the YouTube feed right now, uh, the shape of things to come at the weekend to give aviation buffs a more in-depth look at the new design. Embraer first floated the idea of a new family of turboprop regional airliners back in 2017 in response to growing demand for smaller, more efficient aircraft. So by 2021, the concept had snowballed into a 75 to 90 seat seat airliner with a cross section similar to that of the E-Jet E2 and a set of distinctive rear mounted engines. Indeed, TPNG will have a similar layout as the E2, but the cabin will be much quieter since the engines have moved from the wing to the aft of the aircraft. Embraer is currently in discussion with a number of manufacturers to find the most effective and fuel efficient engine for the TPNG, and it's expected to select a power plant for the fourth quarter of 2022. The TPNG is expected to launch in mid-2023 and enter service uh, in early 2028. That's quite a big gap between um, Mm. the launch to the enter service date there, 2028. But it does look rather interesting, I will say. It does. It does. I mean, from a... a, a, um, uh, uh, Armando, you may be able to answer this question here how how much of a difference does it make to the flying of the aircraft putting the engines there than sort of under the wing like what we're used to and amando's gone brilliant <laughs> okay uh, well, well it's the the problem with 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 um underslung engines is one of the things they, they used to say matt is because the engines hang under the wing especially yeah. with the 737 they're quite close to the ground uh, right. and therefore are more susceptible to to ingesting um, any fod or foreign object debris yeah. uh, on the runway when they're up a bit higher and the rear mounted ones um, it's uh, normally they're out of the way but with these with the I mean I'm surprised at the noise it wouldn't be more you know more noisy with these engines but um, it looks nice though doesn't it Nev as a regional kind of regional yeah, area and certainly the, the further forward you are uh, it's a very quiet quiet aircraft i mm. imagine anyway in the cabin the, the, MD, the md series of uh, mcdonald douglas um with the, the rear mounted engine set uh, they were very quiet uh, towards the front of the aircraft i was gonna say in the cockpit it must be blooming tiny like mm. completely silent almost, almost yeah, yeah mike uh, yeah. micah makes a good point actually in the chat he says remember captain jeff flies an aircraft like this but with turbo fans Rather than the actual, oh, okay, props. right, yeah, yeah, rather than the props, yeah. So it's, yeah. it's a similar design, isn't it? The turbofan, it's it's sort of, yeah. What, what I assume the difference is that they spin a bit faster and have a slightly different blade. Well, the turbofan's a jet engine. Well, it's a jet engine, but it's right. obviously, obviously, the rather than having a huge prop, the the the, the prop is to say, or the turbofan mm. is encased in the in the actual engine cowlings itself. But um, it does look good. It'd be interesting to see. I'm I'm just shocked at how much the difference is between when the launch um, 2023 to when mm. it's going to enter service. Quite that is quite a big gap. You know, the three it's five years, but I don't know whether it will be sooner or not. It'd be nice to see it sooner. Anyway, I mean, Cap- uh, Captain Ridiculous Wits has got a great uh, question in the chat room. As I say, it's a shame we've lost Armando actually because he he's saying why have they never mounted the engines on the top side of the wing? Would that cause a problem in terms of things like lift? Hmm. I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I suppose. I mean, I suppose you you could think that maybe it would it would interrupt 
um, you know, flows and things like that. Well, Captain Cruise be... has, has come back with an answer to that, Matt. Oh, okay. He's saying uh, the AN-72 and the AN-74s do have the engines oh. over the tops of the wings. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. There you go. Then you see there all hail the chat room. This is this I know. Is that's why we, we have a chat room. All hail the chat room. That's yeah, why we have a chat room. Indeed. So, Nev, you've got the next story, and it's all about uh, a very um, nice airline to fly with, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's on uh, thenationalnews.com, simpleflying.com, uh, businesstraveller.com, and on emirates.com, uh, their website itself. Um, and it says that Emirates are going to invest $2 billion to improve passenger experience and this is to bolster bolster the in-flight customers experience including a massive program to retrofit over 120 aircraft with the latest interiors plus various other service improvements uh, as the program rolls out passengers can expect to see upgrades in the onboard food offering ife options in-flight service and improved cabins uh, first of all uh, the, there's new menus uh, these will be served on selected Emirates routes in first class, uh, including selections of gourmet hors d'oeuvre, uh, featuring dishes such as pan-fried salmon and trout with Creole rice, roasted duck breast with orange thyme jus, uh, steamed broccolini and fondant potatoes. I really should have had more food. Oh. <laughs> uh, those new menu menus are going to be introduced to business and economy on the 1st of September. Uh, there's also vegan menus in all classes available. Um, and the new vegan menu is carefully curated to cater to the growing number of customers uh, pursuing this thoughtful lifestyle. Uh, vegans or anyone interested in a delicious and healthy plant-based meal will enjoy handcrafted gourmet dishes such as uh, pan-roasted king oyster mushrooms, flavour some jackfruit biryani and sliced kurabi uh, garnished with burnt orange. Uh, desserts are a decadent affair with a choice of chocolate truffle cake with hazelnut, pistachio and gold leaf or grape grain, green grape tart adorned with candied rose petals, vanilla custard and berry compote glistening with yuzu pearls. Uh, in the uh, champagne and caviar experience, customers can now savour unlimited portions of Persian caviar as part of the dine-on-demand service with an exquisite pairing of the world-renowned Dom Perignon vintage champagne. Uh, Emirates is the only airline to, uh, with an exclusive agreement to offer the luxury brand on board. Uh, and on flights departing Dubai, uh, customers can now consume fresh greens harvested from Bustikana, uh, one of the world's largest vertical farm and newly appointed joint venture investments through Emirates Flight Catering. Uh, first class customers can create a memorable movie moment on board by ordering cinema snacks as oh, they enjoy the 5,000 channels on Emirates Ice in-flight uh, entertainment system. Uh, the cinema snack menu includes Moorish classics, such as lobster rolls, juicy sliders, and salted popcorn, and they can be ordered on demand. Uh, there's been specialised hospitality training for the crew as well. Uh, Emirates flight attendants already have a solid reputation, but the airline is keen to improve this and is partnering with Ecole uh, Hotelier de Lausanne, 
one of the world's top hospitality management schools to craft the Emirates hospitality strategy and encourage what they call inspiring customer experiences. Uh, Emirates cabin crew have already begun engaging in intensive training programs focused on delivering the four service pillars, excellence, attentiveness, innovation and passion. Uh, all of the cabin up, uh, interiors have been upgraded. Uh, the most significant investment is an extensive and record-breaking breaking refurbishment of the aircraft fleet interiors, where cabins will be retrofitted with new or re-upholstered seats, new panelling, um, flooring and other cabin features. Benefiting all Emirates uh, passengers, including every cabin class, will be refreshed and new premium economy cabins installed. After the retrofit, Emirates will have a total of 120 aircraft offering premium economy seats and the first aircraft a schedule for retrofit in November. Uh, the new premium uh, economy class, in fact, has now rolled out across four routes daily, uh, two from uh, London Heathrow, Charles de Gaulle and Sydney, which started on the 1st of August. That sounds very decadent indeed, doesn't it? All of that. those Those premium seats look blooming nice nev mm, they do they are as premium yep. seats as yeah. premium seats go Absolutely. they look very very nice indeed yeah i'm trying to find the premium seats so are these these the, are these the ones you're talking about here where it's got the nice yeah those ones man that's the it. nice little cushions just yeah, a bit, wi- it's a bit they're, wider they're and more leg room isn't it that's essentially what it is but um they yeah, definitely it's i'll tell you what emirates definitely know how to um to do it yeah with the yeah. in with the cabin interiors they do. They really do. They always look very stylish and stuff. The uniforms yeah. are so smart as well, aren't they? Uh, been, yeah. It just, oh, honestly, just love it. I, 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 I'm devastated that I don't have the resources to be able to enjoy that airline. That's the, that's the long and the short of it. I think for me. Never mind. I need a trip. I'd, to I'd Dubai, just like, I'd just I? like to try, you know, the business and the and their first. Oh gosh, yeah. If only we knew yeah. someone that worked there, that would be helpful, wouldn't it? Yeah. I don't think it would be, would it? <laughs> They'd have to be pretty high up to be out of help, I think. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> yeah never anyway. mind. All part of the fun. Never mind. All so part one, of the of, fun. one of these days I shall get... You guys are, have been... In fact, we were talking at, at dinner yesterday, weren't we? It's like you guys are very keen to get back to the air show, actually, aren't you? Because you really you had such a good time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I am keen to try and get to Dubai one day. Very Well, very soon, I hope. So, so we have got uh, our competition results coming up in a little bit. Uh, on the show with uh, Armando's going to pull uh, Nevis is pulled a name out of the hat Armando's going to pull a name out of the hat I think he's got some uh, names to pull out of the hat somewhere uh, but first we've got uh, a very interesting segment indeed to uh, to play haven't we Nev? Yeah, absolutely. And this is another interview from our uh, Seething series, Seething Airfield, that Carl and I went to uh, at the start of July, wasn't it? July the 3rd, that's right. Yeah. Um, the great thing about the airfield, as we keep saying, and the folks there, is the community and the interest that people show in what they're doing. And the whole airfield is maintained uh, by the people that uh, uh, run it and, and, and operate it. And one of the great things about Seething is all the various stories that you, you get to uh, to hear from people. <clears throat> and this one's no exception. So let's go over to Seething and talk to Carlos and Greg. Back again at uh, Seething then for the flying. And uh, I'm here with Greg standing next to uh, Greg. What is this aircraft for the listeners? Well, this is a Pete and Pole air camper designed by an American gent in 1928. Bernard Petenpole, 
a very popular home built in America and it didn't really catch on in this country till the mid 80s but now there are 14 or 15 flying in the UK at the moment and one or two more being built and did you build this one yourself? I'm afraid not, no I'd like to be able to say I did (laughs) but uh, no, I bought this much as you see it now so how long have you owned the aircraft, Greg? Uh, only a couple of years. Only a couple of years. And you, you've been fl- obviously flying it all that time and storing it here at, uh, at yeah, Sealing? Yes, it lives here in, in the hangar behind us. Um, I like to fly it as often as I can, but uh, I'm still getting used to it, I have to be honest. Um, it's rather different from the plane I had before this. So I'm choosing my days carefully. <laughs> Not too much crosswind and uh, nice visibility. So a bit about the aircraft then, Greg. What's, uh, what's, what's powering uh, this? Well, this one is powered by uh, a Lycoming engine, which is fairly powerful for a peat and pole. There's only two, two peat and poles in the country that have got this engine. Most of them have got the 0200, which is uh, 15 horsepower less than this one. So this goes very well. It goes very well. Um, and what's the horsepower of this? Uh? 115. 115. Mm. Actually, in actual fact, it's the same engine that Dan's got in his longies. Uh-huh. But he travels faster, uh, faster <laughs> than me. <laughs> yeah. what, is, what does this max at the max speed on cruise, sort of cruise speed? Uh, cruise it at 75 knots, which is about 86 miles an hour. Wow. And landing, lots of landing speed with... Um... Uh, approach at about 60 knots and over the numbers at about 50. It's fairly slow. It's fairly slow, fairly docile. And what's it like to fly? Obviously, yeah, being... <laughs> breezy. Breezy, I say, open, <laughs> open air. Yeah. It, it, um, well, it, it's often been described as a, as a Marmite aeroplane. You either love it or you hate it. If you're a, if you're a modern pilot who wants um, comfort, uh, a heater, carpet on the floor, <laughs> an electric starter, um, then this isn't for you. But if you... If you um, if you like the idea of the golden age of flying, the 20s and the 30s, where you, you had to use chocks and hand swing it and head in the breeze, then it's ideal. It's very nice, very pleasant. So it's dual seat or two seat? Yes, it's um, a two seater. You can fly it from either seat. It's got dual controls. Uh, the pilot always sits in the back because um, some of the important controls, like the fuel cock uh, and the trim tab and things like that, are in the back. Oh. But you can actually fly it from the front. Oh. So what's the furthest distance you've... I mean, what, what is a, the typical... With a full full tank of fuel, what uh, range we... Well, it, it only carries about 15 gallons. OK. It's not a huge tank. Uh, it, if you're asking me how much does it use in the cruise, I can't really tell you. I haven't experimented with that yet. I tend to fly it around and when it needs fuel, just <laughs> pour it in, you know. So range-wise, what, two or three hours? Um, Endurance? Yeah, something of that order. Yeah. Slightly longer than the range on my bladder. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky there's plenty of air- airfields around this area you can uh, oh, there you are. fly into. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. We're well, well served with airfields. So a bit about the aircraft itself then, uh, kind of obviously you said it's, it was built, what year was this built you said? Uh, well it first flew in 2005, mm. um, I suppose they must have been two or three years building it, maybe longer, I don't know. I've only met the guy once who built it, um, I didn't get round to asking him how long it took. But 
So you can are these still available? Can, can the you, plans are the plans. Yes. Yeah, it, it's a plans built aeroplane. It's not a kit. You buy the plans and then you buy the the timber, the spruce, and the glue, and you cut and saw and glue and uh, until you end up with an aeroplane. <laughs> and also another thing as well, I just noticed now wooden wooden prop. Obviously, with a lot of modern GA aircraft now, they have obviously have um, yeah, a different style aluminium of aluminium prop. propellers. Yeah. Yes, yes. But, um, that is, I mean, it's one of those things. I think when you when you think of an aircraft of of this kind of era when this was first conceived, I suppose mm. you always can you know think of a wooden wooden prop. Wood. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So what's it like to fly? You know, when you're up there, is it Very uh, handle? It's uh, somebody said to me, it must be like flying in the First World War, but without a gun. <laughs> 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 no, it's very pleasant. I must admit, it's it's slightly more pleasant in June than it is in January, mm. for obvious reasons. But um, I like it. So you also, um, we're just saying before we before we start, you also own another aircraft here as well in the hangar behind us, don't you? Yes, I do. That's called a Fred. That's a flying runabout experimental design. That's short for. And I'm guessing it's a very different aircraft to this to fly. Um, it's very similar in, quite, in, in many respects. Uh, it's open cockpit, of course. Mm. Um, it's even slower than this because uh, it's only got a Volkswagen car engine oh, up really? front. Yes, a converted VW engine. Wow. Mm. So sort of what we're talking about, sort of 60, 70 horsepower kind of? Mm, not as much as that. Really? About 45, I would estimate. Okay. Mm. And um, obviously you've got the two aircraft here. Do you have a personal favourite between the two? Uh, well, at the moment I favour this one because it's the more recent one. But uh, yeah, they've both got their charms. It's a, it's a stunning looking aircraft. Are you, have you got any more plans for uh, for the aircraft itself? Any changes you you want to make, or is it uh, this is um, this is how you want it to to be? No, the, the only the only change I've made to it since I've had it is I've put safety wires on the undercarriage. Because the, the reason why I've got this aeroplane, it had an undercarriage failure. One, one leg broke out and uh, it went down on one wingtip, smashed the prop. And it was bought by two lads who rebuilt it. And uh, it, it's, it's known to have a weak spot just behind the wheel. The little um, bearing in, there, in the arm, we have to change every uh, 50 hours. But in order to just to be belt and braces, I've put a, a steel cable on it so that if that bearing gives way again, the wheel can only come out so, so far. far. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. That's the theory. <laughs> but it's a lovely, uh, lovely choice of colour as well. Very, very impressed with that. Mm. And uh, flying-wise, obviously, you know, yeah, a lot of people learn learn to fly, learn to train in a, in a Cessna 150. I like myself mm. flew a 150. Right. Um, this is obviously a completely different um, beast altogether with, with the way this is, this, set, this is set up. Well, the biggest difference, of course, is the, um, this has got a wheel at the back. Mm, it's what they call drag. a tail dragger because yeah. it t drags its tail. Um, in the air, there's no difference at all. I mean, I learnt to fly on a 150. When you're in the air, you can't tell where the wheels are. But uh, the ground handling is different. Yes. Which is where the, um, some people come unstuck. But, um, it's so that's, an, that's another part of the uh, the the, li the license as such as to a tail dragger endorsement. I, I'm guessing that's you have to right. Have. Yes, yes. Which uh, 
I actually haven't got <laughs> because they've given me what they call grandfather rights. Oh, yes. Because I've been flying tail draggers for a long time, I'm sort of exempt. But um, So have you had a chance to, uh, to fly with Dan in the uh, EZ? I haven't, no. I'm one of the few pilots he hasn't asked. I'm not oh. sure. I don't think he likes my aftershave. <laughs> no offence, Dan. You're welcome, Dan. <laughs> I, I have. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> but, but no, it's great to talk to you, Greg. It's great to well, see the aircraft here. And um, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's nice. Are you planning on uh, doing any flying today, or is it? It's just, just, not today. Just for us to no. look at today. Not today. No, no. I, I, my wife's uh, doing the catering. Oh, so, uh, could be looking forward to that. I'm in the sink washing up. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, before we wrap up, Greg, just a quick question. And uh, we ask we ask anyone we, we we talk to on the show. I mean, we've asked Dan as well before. Um, if you were if you were given the chance to fly any aircraft, whatever GA, commercial, military, fixed wing, anything, retired, still flying, and it was here now today at Seething, and you were you were given say the keys to go and jump in and, and take it out for a spin. What would that be? I think it would be a Fournier RF4. Another new one we haven't had before on the show. glider, single seat, um, with a Volkswagen engine, okay. surprisingly. It's not called a Volkswagen, it's called a Limbach, but basically it's a Volkswagen engine. Uh, with, uh, it's got a mono wheel which, which retracts. Oh, wow. I've always had a hankering for one of those. Oh, there you go. Mm. Well, Greg, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thanks well, for nice taking time out of your day. Thank and, you. Uh, and uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of your day here at Seething. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. All the best. Discover the pioneers of speed and adventure at one of the UK's most iconic museums. Whether it's a tour of the legendary Concorde, a walk around the Brooklands Aircraft Factory, or maybe a behind-the-scenes look at the McLaren Automotive Cars, the Brooklands Museum has it all. Based at Weybridge in Surrey, it's the perfect day out for all the family. We can also host your private function or meeting in one of our amazing event suites. With so much to see and do, come and take a look at Great Britain's history of speed and flight. Find out more by going to www.brooklandsmuseum.com or give us a call on 01932 857 381. That's 01932 857 381. Well, I have to say, Nev, we've obviously got um, a, a, we've got another one to come, haven't we? Which is a, quite a big one that, interview that we've done. But it was great to speak to him, and he's, and we were saying as well that uh, his wife done an awesome um, spread of food on that uh, particular day. Oh my word! Yeah, <laughs> you've got some pictures of that, haven't you? We'll have to put those yeah, up yeah. next week. But uh, no, we're fantastic buffet food there and uh just as i was saying earlier although greg is very modest uh, he you could there's a twinkle in his eye isn't there and his enthusiasm for flying those sorts of vintage aircraft is, is very infectious isn't it so uh, and also one of, one of the things you could probably notice if you looked when you're watching that video is, is another thing we were saying as well whilst we we're watching that is that uh the aircraft even the engine and the aircraft itself were, were absolutely spotless Oh, yeah. Completely very, spotless. Beautifully presented. Yeah, yeah. Very, very nice indeed. And thanks for your uh, thanks for your comments, Ray Davis. Thank you for that. Very much appreciated. It's uh, it, it's it's nice chatting to uh, to pilots, isn't it, Nev? It's really good. Very enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we've got um, some more uh, seething stuff uh, next week, a much uh, longer series of interviews, actually, which we're going to chop up into about three parts. We'll tell you more about that next week. 
Yes, looking forward to those. So it's competition results time. So we uh, set a few questions a few weeks back now uh, to win uh, a couple of tags, a couple of plane tags. The first one that uh, we had uh, was for a civilian aircraft tag. I'll hold up here for those of you watching on the YouTube feed. Uh, this is off a, a Boeing uh, 747-400, uh, which uh, sadly no more, unfortunately. And we also had one, especially for Armando, uh, with the military, and it's a VC-10 tag. Uh, for those of you watching, you'll see that one there. And these are both limited tags. They're limited to the civil, uh, civilian one is uh, out of 100, and the VC-10 is uh, limited to 200 tags they cut from the VC-10. Uh, this one being a Zulu Delta 241, the ex-refueling uh, tanker. And this is number seven. We got managed to get tag, lucky tag seven out of 200. And, uh, well, we had uh, quite a few answers come in. Um, and Nev, and uh, the, what were the answers like for uh, for the question you set? Well, there were some very, very close ones. We had a lot of people that sent in their answers, and they were extremely close. But there was only one person that got the exact answer. <gasps> oh my word! So, quick reminder: this was the Boeing seven four seven four hundred, formerly of uh, British Airways. Um, and actually, this aircraft was sold to a lesser on delivery and leased back to BA and then subleased to British Asia Airways. It was then returned to BA in October 1999 and eventually repainted into the British Airways current livery. Uh, the aircraft was ferried to St. Athen uh, on, uh, in September 2020 and then permanently retired after a 26-year career. And the question was, what was the registration of this aircraft? gave you a bit of a clue uh, it sounds as though it really was meant to operate in the civilian environment the answer is golf charlie indigo victor echo civvy yes see what, see what they did there i like what you did there civvy and yeah. the winner is dirk simic Oh, well done, Dirk. Fantastic. Uh, Dirk, could you just drop us a quick note to podcast at plaintalkinguk.com with your address and Carlos will send you over yes. your prize. You see this, Nev? It's even got um, part of the rivets joint along the back of the tag. Oh, yes. It's quite, it's yeah. quite good, yeah. yeah. It's got a nice little tag. So now, that's well done to you. And um, we have got our military one here. Now, Armando, again, set a question uh, for you to win this uh, tag from this VC-10. Got quite a big history behind it. It was the um, VC-10 that was at the Bruntingthorpe Cold War Jets days doing fast taxi runs before it was sadly broken up and dismantled. As I said, we have tag number seven of 200 here. And uh, Armando, what was the question that you set for our listeners? Hey guys, so this was uh, it was a three-part question. Now the question itself was only one answer, and there was like two bonus parts to it. And I was incredibly impressed that um, almost everybody got the actual correct answer. So the question was: uh, In World War II, there was one aircraft uh, that was designated, or one aircraft designation that was used by two different aircraft, and that was uh, it was the Mark. One was made by Barton, and the other one by Douglas. So not the Martin one, the Douglas one, and it was the Douglas A-26 Invader, which was later designated the B-26, which led to some confusion um, with the B-26 Marauder. 
and then was later re redesignated the A26 uh, when it continued to serve uh, in the 50s and actually into the 60s. And some of these airplanes uh, even served into the 80s as fire bombers. Um, uh, as an aside, Micah did a piece on the Airplane Geeks, uh, I think a couple years ago now, about the tragedy on Bunker Hill. Um, that actually centered on a an A-26 invader, um, so over from the Geeks podcast. So that was the first part of the, the question. The bonus parts of the question, the bonus answers, you had to think, now this was incredibly obscure, and you had to think about my background. So my background, coming from the CV-22 Osprey in the 792nd Special Operations Group at RAF Mildenhall, its lineage goes back to the 492nd uh, Bomb Group out of RAF Harrington. So those were the carpetbaggers. Those were the guys that were doing the special operations missions, dropping uh, agents behind enemy lines through uh, mostly, they were mostly famous for the B-24, but they actually had five uh, A-26 invaders, which later was a B-26, then back to 26 So they had five A-26 invaders that they did the similar mission with. So the full answer was the A-26, uh, the Douglas A-26 invader, 492nd bomb group from REF Carrington. I was actually super surprised at how many people got the A26 part. So I'm going to put all of these names now. I got a bunch of little pieces of paper. I'm going to put them into the hat. And here you go. <laughs> See, Mike. And we're going to put. Okay, here we go. <laughs> this is Grant McCarran. Oh, good lord. Oh, my word. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to cost me. Sorry, guys. You got to ship that across the world. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Well, there oh you go. Word. Grant will be so That's chuffed. Lots of really good answers. Uh, I was super impressed by our military guys, uh, our military uh, fans, it's, aka fanatics. <laughs> Very obscure question, but you had to know a little bit about me to get the right answer. No, we. Uh... Well done to Grant McCarran. And also, uh, we are going to be running another competition quite soon as well. We've got uh, some really, really, really nice um, hardback uh, books to uh, to give away, haven't we, Nev? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks to uh, Grub Street Publishing. We've got some, uh, gosh, we've got about uh, seven or eight books here now um, stored in my little uh, cabinet here. So uh, we've got some nice prizes to give away. So we'll be doing that um, for future competitions. Yeah, so keep your eyes posted on the show for that. We'll be, uh, uh, we, we bring that, pulling out of the hat very soon on the show. So Armando, over to you to introduce the next part of the show. Oh, thank goodness that Captain Alf gone. Now we can just peacefully get through the... Oh, wait. Hold on. Ned's still here. Uh, Matt, <laughs> if you're ready, let's hit the military button. Watch out, Peggy's 135, 50, Angel 16, Peggy Right, so we did a story on this last week that was kind of related how the United States Special Operations Command has finally chosen the AT-802 
air tractor as its new light attack aircraft. So the story of this light attack Air Force program seems to be coming to a close now. Uh, just over two years ago, the Air Force announced that it was buying limited quantities of Textron's AT6, um, which Jonathan Warmer was asking me on our private chat, just, hey, how come they didn't choose that airplane? Um, they also had a couple of uh, Sierra Nevada's or SNC Corp's 829s. Now that the competition is over, everything's been selected, the service is seemingly set to get rid of these aircraft, most likely in the form of some kind of foreign military sale. So this whole program started around 2009. I, I think I've lost count how many times we've featured stories on this in the show, <laughs> but it probably goes all the way back to 2017 or something like that when when we started, you know, when I came on the show. So uh, both of these aircraft were entered into the competition. Uh, 2020, the Air Force announced that it was buying uh, the, the, the AT-6 first and then the A-29 a couple months later. Um, all of these things were uh, used as light attack experiments, uh, some with the Marine Corps, some with partner countries. The A-29 came over to the Air Force Special Operations Command for an advisory mission. I think I sent you guys a picture actually just in July, I think the beginning of July from Holbert Field, uh, Florida, where these were based. And these were uh, in the background there with some actually really cool paint jobs. Um, so they were used for demonstrations that were used for uh, capabilities demonstrations by both Air Combat Command, Special Operations Command, Air Force uh, Operation, uh, Special Operations Command. Um, so as we said last week, the Air Force finally chose the AT-802, um, which is an airplane that basically comes apart. You can put it into a shipping container, into a C-17, C-5, something like that, truck it halfway across the world, and then do a months-long austere operation, minimal footprint with uh, both surveillance and attack operations. So a couple other countries actually already use the A-29. So uh, what in Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Ecuador, Nigeria, Indonesia, Philippines. Um, so these airplanes, these uh, test airplanes that the U.S. Air Force had are probably going to get sold off uh, just in the next, uh, probably next couple of months. Um, or maybe they'll be gifted to, uh, you know, a country like Ukraine or something like that. The, the whole reason behind this whole program was to have an airplane that could uh, easily be maintained by both emerging economies as well as countries that have this already have this kind of platform um, and, and then the, the, the ease of training into this kind of aircraft. So wherever, wherever they go, whatever happens to them, I'm sure they're going to find a, uh, a good home just in the next in the next couple months or so. So. Oh, sadly, no more stories about the light attack aircraft program. A shame. It'd be, it'd be a damn good training aircraft as well, I think. I mean, we could all pool together our PTUK coffers and <laughs> maybe bid on one. If it pops up on some government auction somewhere, right. uh, hey, our, our uh, AvGeek listeners, let's uh, <laughs> let us know, and then we'll um, <laughs> we'll bid on it. Right. Okay. Fair it enough. would be fun just to bid on it. Right, like put in like a twenty pound bid. Yeah, but the bit that worries me is if we're the only people that bid and therefore we win it. Like, what on earth would oh, we I do with that. it? <laughs> oh, we yeah, got that. Ship, ship and shipping issues would be uh, sorted by uh, Armando. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. We can paint it light blue. We'll put Plainy McPlain face or whatever his name <laughs> is on the side, and it'll just Quite. be plain talking one. Very good. Okay. I, I, I like that. that. Sure. Okay. My, all, all of, of my concerns. Attack and... weapons. <laughs> it'll just shoot ones and zeros, or podcast, or audio. Right. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. good at. He's good at this, isn't he? Yeah. 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 Wax lyrical as we go. Oh, I don't right? know. Yeah. 
Moving so, on. So, <laughs> next story comes to us from voanews.com. And Mali, uh, Mali's military government, lovely part of the country, or part of the world, I should say, has received several fighter jets and helicopters from Russia. Uh, which has become a close and controversial ally in its uh, fight against Islamic militants. The aircraft were handed over during a ceremony at Bamako's airport with Malian President Asimi Gautier. He's done it to me this week, hasn't he, John? And Russian Ambassador Igor Gromokyo. Anyway, Dave. Uh, photos of the aircraft were posted to the official presidential Twitter page with Russian state media, RIA, saying delivery consists of Sukhoi Su-25 fighter jets, L-39 Albatross jets and attack helicopters. Malian Defence Minister Sadio Kamara said in a speech on Malian T- uh, State TV channel ORTM that the even larger number of aircraft were delivered. Mali has been fighting Islamic insurgency for the past decade uh, since Islamists took over northern Mali in 2012. Control of Malian territory was regained after France intervened in 2013, but attacks and fighting have continued in the years since with 2022 already one of the deadliest years on record for the conflict. The French army is in the final stages of withdrawing from Mali after French President Emmanuel Macron announced the withdrawal of forces in February following the increasing tensions with Mali's military government and concerns over Mali working with Russian mercenaries. Now, Armando's made a few comments here. Uh, Mali has a strong history of using Russian aircraft for the last few decades. At the same time, they have heavily leaned to the West for training and resourcing. Uh, Mali was in dire need of new aircraft. He's seen the ones on the ramp at Bamako. The aircraft need to have a very specific capability. The terrain and geography of Mali is incomprehensible to most Westerners. What is the uh, the, 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 the terrain like then in Mali, Armando? Well, if you've seen The Mummy, uh, it's, a li- it's a bit like that with Brendan Fraser. Um, so the the, ge- the geography part of this is really interesting because uh, even at 250 knots, whether it's in a C-130 or a Super Tucano or something like that, it takes close to four hours, five hours to fly across Mali. Now, the problem they're having with their insurgency is on the northern part of Mali. Um, Bamako is on the southwest side of the country. Um, so, in fact, you to, to even get to the point... Man, this Piper's right as I was talking. Um, so to get to the to the to the area where the insurgency and the security problems are, um, you actually have to probably plan a fuel stop somewhere north in in Gao or something like that. And that is the edge of the Sahara Desert. I mean, it is the absolute southern edge of the Sahara Desert, and from there it is complete no man's land. So from a from a flying standpoint, it is it is one of the most inhospitable environments in the world with the sand and the heat um get this that the malian air force relied mostly on mig-21s and when i went i used to go regularly to to bamako and and work with those guys um their special commando battalions these these mig-21s would be just completely dilapidated something you would see uh I, i think the ones at flixton the airplane at flixton are in better shape than the aircraft that were sitting there on the ramp in Mali. And, and the pilots were climbing into those aircraft and going to fly them. Um, 
but then they then they ended up with MiG 21s and Cessna 208 caravans with with uh, rockets on them. So like, what a it's a complete disparity there. And then of course, close to my close to my heart, they had a Basler BT 67 that was their sole transport aircraft um, on the airplane. A couple AN 26s and things like that. But uh, just a complete hodgepodge. Um, getting L 39s is going to be huge for the Malian government, and they. Uh, it's a very capable airplane. They're going to, you know, be able to use that appropriately in the, their insurgency. And again, it's, it's kind of a trainer aircraft, like we we're talking about in the last story. So they're going to be able to uh, to put them into use, um, you know, and then SC-25s, they've been around for decades and decades. So I was going to say the L- L- L-39 was uh, brought into service back in 1968, Armando. Yeah, but I think it's been, it's still, if it's not still being produced, it's, no, uh, 19, 19, 1996. 1996, they yeah. finished producing. But fairly new as, as airplanes go. Um, they'll, they'll probably get a couple of decades out of, out of use out of them. But they did produce nearly 3,000 of them, Armando. Yeah. Yeah. If you're interested to come see in one fly, they're, they, they're, the jet class at the Reno Air Races is mostly L 39s. It's kind of random. Um, let's see, Carlos, you want the next story? Or you want me to take it? Uh, go on, Amanda, you take that next one. Okay. So this comes from, um, it's the Smithsonian National Air and Space Museum. Uh, if anybody has been there recently, they both the, the museum downtown and the Udvar Hazy Center, uh, out at Washington Dulles airport, both of them have been under renovation for a couple of years now. Um, so the Air and Space Museum is, is set to reopen its flagship building on the National Mall there in Washington, D.C. on October 14th. So eight new and renovated exhibitions, uh, the planetarium, which was cool for me to go to as a kid, the museum store, the cafe, uh, all of this was on the building's west end. It has all just been completely renovated. It took seven years to renovate all of this. Uh, 23 different exhibitions were redesigned and sort of uh, resurfaced or, you know, um, they completely redid them into, into modern presentations. Um, they removed some of the outdated mechanical systems. And and if you've ever been there, a lot of these airplanes are hanging from the ceiling by wires. So some of those uh, aircraft had to be moved. Um, only half of this of the building will be reopening. So this kind of west half. Uh, lots of interest in this. I mean, the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum, I'll remind everybody, is free. And if you're in Washington, D.C., it's one of the biggest uh, tourist attractions there. Um, some free timed entry passes are going to be required to ensure that these visitors have uh, an enjoyable experience. It doesn't get too, uh, too packed in there. Those experiences or those passes will be available on September 14th. Um, one of the museum directors said that this is the most exciting times in the National Air and Space Museum's history. They're set to open some reimagined galleries, and uh, they're hoping that the visitors are going to be inspired by the artifacts on display for the first time. And some favorite icons displayed in new ways. Um, one of these things is going to be uh, Jackie Cochran's T-38. So she became the first woman to break the sound barrier. Um, the Sharp DR-90 Nemesis Air Racer is, has been redone. And uh, Sean Tucker, who's still performing, but Sean Tucker's successful aerobatic uh, show, one of his airplanes is going to be on there. Um, a full-size X-Wing Starfighter. That actually appeared in Star and Star Wars. Uh, that's going to be on display at the National Air and Space Museum. 
And then one of the things that's not going to be in this first opening that I saw on their website is the right flyer. The original right flyer is, uh, was hanging from the ceiling. Um, it will be now brought down to the floor and presented in a way that, that uh, people can actually get uh, up close in person. And I think the last one that was uh, really kind of cool and of, and of interest was the Apollo 11 spacecraft um, uh, module and, and Neil Armstrong's spacesuit. Those will also be kind of brought into a new uh, display where, where people can get up close and personal. So if you're in Washington, D.C., head out to the new uh, Air and Space Museum. And if you get an extra day, go out to Washington, Dallas, to the Bar Hazy. That's pretty awesome, awesome museums out there. Mike, you want to get back to uh, Duxford again and go and have a oh, walk yes. around again, I think, being the weather's quite yeah. nice. So moving on to the next part of the show, it is time for our caption this just for fun. I'm going to squeeze this in before the end of the show. Are we now? Uh, right. Okay. Posted I like, a, I like uh, how you didn't run that past anyone, but anyway, okay. Fair enough. Oh, it's, it's in the show notes. <laughs> yes, I know. But have you seen the time? Yeah, I know. We'll be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, Don't panic. Go on then. Yeah, so yeah. the picture went up late this week on Thursday, but we still had plenty of feedback. Matt's going to pop the picture up on the screen. And uh, we had plenty of comments for this picture. Uh, for those of you watching in the world of uh, audio podcast world, this is what I can only describe as a um, tricycle um paper mache cardboard military um shorts 360 <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly uh check out uh the uh, youtube page if you want to see what this uh, looks like but anyway we've had some captions we're going to kick this off uh, with one from david who says hi dad i made a few changes to the pram Nev. <laughs> Uh, Marguerite said, Reliant Robin are showcasing their sidestep into aviation. Armando? Uh, Andrew says, Boeing says, it takes years to build an airplane. And then they say, hold my beer. <laughs> Stuart says, the new green and zero emission Airbus A120 family. Nice. <laughs> uh, Andy says, due to supply chain issues, Russia announces the new planes they're deploying to the front line in the coming days. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jenny says, you'll need 20 egg boxes, some pieces of string, the button box. <laughs> and uh, Stuart says, has anyone seen my bike? I swear it was here last night. <laughs> Drummer Dan says, apparently an early contender for the first flight by the wrong brothers. <laughs> uh, St Stuart says, the Red Arrows take temporary action while the Hawk T1s are grounded. <laughs> ah, I like that one. Yeah, bravo, uh, Stuart. Simon, yes. <laughs> Simon says, uh, Ryanair step into the private jet sector. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel says the short Skyvan is now relieved of its Irish Concord title. <laughs> John says RAF pilot defends the RAF's latest Aldi middle aisle jet trainer purchase, saying you think this looks cheap, you should see the Navy's little sponsored submarine. <laughs> and this one, I love this one from Alan, says a new government report finds that Alibaba and Wish are not deemed reliable places to source new <laughs> aircraft this was supposed to be an F-16. <laughs> uh, Gordon says Boeing reveal their new eco-friendly private jet. It boasts 100% recyclable airframe. 
good. I mean, that's a, that's a great thing. <laughs> uh, Nicholas says, crikey, even Maverick would have trouble with that. Good point. Uh, and finally, uh, Jake says the UK government finally steps in with a commercial pilot training course that's finally affordable. <laughs> Actually, I'll just look at some of the... For the win. Yeah, <laughs> the comments yeah, yeah. in the chat room. Oh, my word. Captain Ridiculous Wits, the afterbirth of a Cessna and a bicycle. Oh, dear. <laughs> and a nuclear bomb. <laughs> Okay, very similar. Yes. Oh, Richard Adams comes up with a very British one, actually, Matt. Can you see that one in the no, chat? No, I can't. Room? No. Uh, he comes up with Trotter's Independent Airlines. <laughs> Love yes, that it's one. Got a, it's got a very... Yes, it's... Yes. Yeah, you, yeah, you have to have lived in the UK to get that one, I think. You Those, do, yeah. I don't suppose anybody else would have heard of Only Horses and Horses, would they? Actually, Captain Cruise points out a very, very good thing, actually. It does actually have lights, landing lights. If you look on the, um, on the on the bicycle parts, yeah. Really? And Dirk S says at least it has the port side light on the right side. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's something. Anyway, we'll post another one next week, hopefully on Wednesday, uh, on social media, on our Facebook page. Don't forget to follow us on there. And on the subject of social medias, Nev, where can everyone in the world find us on the social media networks? Yes, all you've got to do is go to Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Search for Plain Talking UK our whatsapp number plus 44 757 229166 email address podcast at plaintalkinguk.com and the website is www.plaintalkinguk.com you can subscribe to our youtube channel as well Uh, just do a search for plain talking uk for that and on our website there's an amazon link so you can do your shopping from there and we get paid a small referral fee Uh, if you'd like to become a patreon uh, that's also available from our website too so that is all we have we've got time for on 422 episode 422 for this week thanks to everyone who's tuned in tonight in the youtube chat room all the usual family members in there plus more and also a big thanks if you are an audio downloader of the show and don't forget if you are and if you've got a spare few minutes on your time in the day check out on the uh, itunes or spotify or stitcher and uh, give us a rating on there we'd appreciate your feedback on there as well and don't forget to send us feedback as well we'd love to hear from you uh, listeners in on the show here and uh, yeah that is about it and guys so we're, we are going to wrap up don't forget to tune in next Friday friday uh, where the 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 well the the food talk will probably continue on the show and uh yeah so from uh, from me here in my home studio from matt in a very warm ptuk master suite studio from nev in his glorious studios in buckinghamshire and from armando in well what can be the the best green screen we've ever seen on the show take care everyone have a great weekend and we'll see you next friday say happy goodbye happy birthday everyone. carlos thank you yeah. happy, happy birthday, birthday. Bye. <laughs>